One of the Wood with Andy and Wazza. How are you, Wazza? Good, mates. Very good. Love to see you back in WA again. Thanks for coming. Yeah, it's always good to be here face-to-face to have these conversations. We're yeah. going to get straight into it tonight. Um, tell us what we're going to hear. We're going to hear from Marty Littlewood, um, surfboard shaper from down in Margs. Um, friend of a friend. Uh, got introduced to him and uh, he shaped me a board once upon a time. That crazy-looking square five-foot-two. Uh, what do we call it? The, the thumb. The thumb. The thumb, yeah, shape that up for me. But um, he's got some wacky ideas on shapes and he's a, one of the blokes that originally put channels into surfboards, which is sick. So, yeah, it was cool. Sat, finally pinned him down for a chat down at the Shaping Bay. So that's uh, down in Margaret River, Marty Littlewood, Delta Designs. Yeah. Let's throw to the videotape. One off the wood, which, you know, go and have a beer off the bar. Andy and I take one off the wood and have a chinwag about life and interview people, but we, we can't have one off the wood uh, today because you told me recently. Yeah, hey, I'm off the wood. <laughs> <laughs> off, off, yeah, off the booze. Off the beers. Why is that? What's uh? Well, I'd rather surf than drink piss, basically, and I can't do both. I've try, been trying for long, many years <laughs> to do both, and the surfing's dropping back, and the booze is kicking in. And the weight was going on and I thought, nah, I can't get to my feet quick enough. I'm just a danger to myself and everybody else. Something's got to change. So the booze is gone. Fair enough. And how long ago was that? A year. Last last New Year's Eve, I said I'm not drinking from now on. Still, we're a day short, mate. We can still have a 10. Nearly, nearly. (laughs) No, no. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I'm probably 12 kilos lighter than I was when I'd made that decision. 12 kilos? Yeah, 82 kilos now instead of 96. So that's my 30s, mid-30s weight. Yeah, the playing weight back on it. Yeah. Do you feel heads better surfing? Oh, shit, yeah. Does it change the, change the boards that you ride? You like Not to- yet. No, but I'm, I've got a couple of aspirational smaller boards yeah. that I'm working my way towards. But it's, it's more like if you've got consistent surf every day, I'd be right down there. But it's like you can get a week or two weeks without surf around here. And you sort of, and it's always pumping too. Yeah. The old 710. That does most of the work. Yeah. I got a six eight. I'd like to get onto, but when I get on it, it's too flighty. <laughs> it's all over the shop. Fair enough. So you you grew up on the east coast, right? Yep. Whereabouts? Redhead Beach. Ten clicks out of Newey. Yeah, and uh, started surfing over there. Your old man surf. How'd you get into it? No, he didn't surf. He was a coal miner. I came from up the Hunter Valley. At sixteen, I got moved to the coast. And got straight into surfing then. And, um, yeah. First trip over here, I'd learned how to make boards too in the, in the interim. A girlfriend I had at the time had a sister who had a guy who worked for Sam Egan, Daryl Davis, a good mate. 
and he was he told showed me how to make boards in his garage and I just went for it. So you're making your own boards from day one? From about 22, I think. Yeah. I started making boards. And then uh, you had a trip over here. I had a trip over here in 73. I'd been building boards for a few years by then. And got blown out of the water by the sea breeze all the time. So after four or five trips, got into windsurfing. And then decided to move here because this is windy. Yeah. Proper windy. And yeah, that was in 1985. 1985, the great year I was born. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 1985, so you moved over to Margie's. And I mean, this, this coast gets so much swell, doesn't it, compared to the east coast where you sort of hit and miss. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you get a six foot swell over there, it's everywhere's closing out and it's just unrideable. Yeah. That's six foot most days out at the point. Yeah. Well, more more often than not, there's a six foot wave coming through there. Yep. Is that your favourite place to surf down here? Yep. Yeah. Mainly because it's it's a lot of variety in it. Although it's one place and it's one peak, there's rights, there's lefts, there's inside, there's outside, there's over there, there's a little bit over there, a little bit here. You find a little slot for the day where it's sort of working for you. And half the time you go, to, I used to go all over the place early on, but always ended up back at Marg's. Yeah, main break. Yeah. I always ended up back there. The tide was too high, the swell wasn't right. And it's always a bit bigger than everywhere else too. Yep. And so it's the perfect setup really. You've got that, the wind, sea breeze comes in, you come back, grab a snack and then uh, take the kite out afterwards. Yeah. In theory, Yeah. Running out of petrol, though. <laughs> if I do that three days in a row, I'm anyone's. <laughs> I, I came down here um, a couple of weeks ago to try and catch you to do this, um, and you, you're up in Carnarvon, a little bit stuck, but I, I hung around the point, that, and this is, I didn't even know that you had a mobile phone, because uh, up until very recently you didn't, and uh, I was at the point, and it was that time, you know, the breeze had come up, and there's a, a few older blokes wandering up the stairs with Delta Design, you know, seven footers or eight foot boards. And then the guys were just pumping up their kites. And there was a, I was doing a bit of a walk around down that uh, southern end of the car park. And there was a few Delta Design kites and some interesting shapes there. And I was like, this is where it'll be if he's here. <laughs> I had a look around, but uh, I, I couldn't find him. <clears throat> nah, I was um, stranded for a few days. But that was good. I missed the, I missed the, the swell I went up for, but the one behind it was better. So it's good. End up getting the wave of my life up there. Really? Hmm. Yep. Just a perfect, probably five foot, Toomey's reeler. Yeah. Full full powered on the kite. Just bang, bang, bang. I just had had the groove. Long the time I'm hitting this, you know. Not very consistent, but this wave I just shredded all the way. Best wave I've ever ridden. And those five days in Carnarvon, I'd do it again for that one wave. Yeah, it gets like that, doesn't it? Was it was just magic. I don't know why. I just clicked. Every All the four days I had before, they were just setting me up for that magic one. And 12 months of no drinking? That, yeah. 
Yeah, and um, I did a bit of a lot of intermittent fasting too before that, before I gave up the drink. That kind of got me probably six kilos away. It got me into a really good day of surf where everything sort of clicked. I was mongling around like a walrus on a rock for, for months on end, <laughs> wrestling with it. And then I got in, Jamie Hook put me on the intermittent fasting, which is basically you don't eat for 12 hours. And then from, from then on, your body burns fat, burns, it doesn't produce insulin. So if you don't spike your insulin for the longer you don't spike your insulin by eating something, the more fat you'll burn. So I did that for probably three or four months and then lost probably six or eight kilos and had this day just before Christmas where I was bouncing to my feet and every wave came to me and like everyone was, it was a pretty busy day but I just had that magic day and I, that was it. I went, right, I'm off the piss. This, I want more of that, that drug. Yeah. That feel. I got about a dozen waves in about an hour. Just was all over it and... Went, yep, this is way better than drinking peace. I had to go to Esperance with the family for Christmas, so I set myself a realistic target. After New Year, I'll get off. <laughs> Something achievable. There's no way I was going to sit around down there at Christmas. Yeah, you just been. need uh, that little bit of buzz, isn't it, to keep you going and the incentive. And you're getting rewards, yeah, it makes sense. Mm. I'd, I'd like to say you've inspired me, but uh, I don't know if you've... Uh, it's my birthday tomorrow as well, so you know I might have to think about it. the podcast. Would have to change the name as well. The uh, <laughs> cups of tea with wasn't Andy. <laughs> so it's it's pretty mental down in Mars this time of year. With the with the crowds are just you know everybody's here. They should have seen the lineup at um, K's Road and yelling up just to make that right hand turn was just mental. There's there's people everywhere. Mm. But what, what was it like? You know, in the late seventies, early eighty five, when you when you moved over, it was still busy in the surf. Nothing like it at Marg's. There was still pressure, and probably more pressure because everyone was competent. Yeah. And then long weekends had come, and it would pump it on the long weekends all the time. Couldn't believe the number of times it would be ten foot on a long weekend. And all the Perthies would come down and get wild on. Yeah, it was good, but it's. It's always been a pretty, it's an easy way to ride. It's hard to ride it well, Margs. Yeah, a bit, bit like Bells Beach, I think. Mm. Um, you know, people write that off as a bit of a burger and sometimes the point gets written off. You know, big burger left, it's a takeoff and not much else. But when the pros come to town, or the people that know the wave, you know, you can really yeah. well, apart. It's a good wave when... Last autumn, case in point, the swell was west heaps of times. It was the best autumn I've ever had in 30 years of living here and, and coming over half a dozen times in autumn to surf. It was like we were getting four days of straight west swell really lined up, probably 15-second period. The river was running. There'd been a lot of rain early. The comp had just left and it just turned on like you wouldn't believe it's scary with the shark thing. That was the whole shark thing was going. Have you? Yeah, the was, whales had to really, beaches everywhere. Yeah, had to really sort of mind over matter it for the for, to paddle out for the first few days after the comp. But this it was just as good as Margs gets. Like it was really barreling all all the time. Like every wave is a tube when the, when the drift's going like that, just rams it out. Yeah. 
and the swells west starts hitting on the reef instead of like coming south west and just going bang on the and then running fat it was coming this way so it'd go bang and go zipper across yeah and it was like that for from the middle of may to the middle of july every weekend just about it's like friday boom 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 okay. saturday sunday monday then it'd, it'd, something would come through and it'd shit itself a bit and you'd try to recover a bit and then bang on it again and it just kept on doing it, it was ridiculous that's on with um, the sharks you talked about back in the 80s. You know, was it really a problem? You said, you know, never ever seen one, never heard of anyone that saw one. It was they're all down there in the southern ocean. That was the, what everyone thought, yeah, me included. Didn't even consider it, yeah, a bit more mission. So, what, what boards are you on in uh, in the semis? What did you start out shaping? Single fins, single fins, yeah. The thruster wasn't got invented then. They were single fins, very down rail, mostly pintails. We got into wings on them, flyers. Not paying much attention to rocker, like the blank, the blank was bent, pre-bent, and <laughs> whatever that was, that usually ended up with the board. You'd be as finicky as anything with the outline, and squabble and argue for half an hour over an eighth of an inch on the outline, and don't care anything about the rocker, which was. Quite funny. Is it more of an aesthetic thing that how how it looked? Oh yeah, it's always how they look, and, and I'm constantly appalled by what I see of the old boards. How bad they looked. <laughs> how we used to like them. <laughs> Think oh, smick. Things have changed. I um heard a rumor that that you uh, you were a pioneer of the channels. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jim Pollard started it. And Cole Smith was one of his protégés. Well, Cole was just a ripper of a surfer and he'd, he'd just ride anybody to get his hands on. The more freebies he could get, the better he liked it. So Jim Pollard was giving him boards and they had like corrugated bottoms on them. Like, they like weren't, a tin roof. Like a tin roof, exactly. There was yeah. no definite edge on them. And he wouldn't show anyone in... He wouldn't let anyone in the shape bay when he put them in, so we had to kind of work our own way out. And so the clinker thing happened. We just sort of used a straight edge and brought them in like clinker style. And that's the and that's the channel shape that, that prevailed today that you see everywhere. With a yeah, hard, harder edge and with a hard edge, yeah, with a slope and down, and then the depth that swings around and comes yep. close to vertical or vertical or whatever. It's just an angle. Just, but there's a real definite edge to push against, which yeah. is. But I reckon I was the first one to dig them in. Like we used to put them in pretty shallow, like quarter inch would be max. Yeah. And this is still in single fins. With a standard V bottom as yeah, well. Yeah, V. Oh, concaves in the front, concave under your chest, going to a V and double barrels. Yeah. They were. We worked that out. They were quick. But I can remember I made this six eight had a big Jimi Hendrix logo on it, single fin, blue and purple fin in a box, and I just hoed the, hoed the channels in like they were five eighths of an inch deep, which would be fifteen mil, I guess. Really chomped them in, and by that time we'd twigged that you needed to put some rocker in, otherwise they'd be just stiff. 
So I got the rocker right and I got, I just drilled them in there and took it to the beach and surfed it and it just blew my mind how quick and how much, how drivey it was. And Smitty came down, it was a redhead surf club, I was sitting around the front. He walked around the corner and went, ah, oh, it'll be stiff as anything, That's, that won't be any good. And I went, here you go, take it for surf and tell me how no good it is. And he just went out and rewrote the book on it. Like he was just carving bottom turns, just going up the face, over the back, and then just driving back down onto the wave again, which was a big move of his because he used to do it at Calbarry all the time, freak everybody out. He'd just have just generate so much speed up the face that he'd just go over the top, not hitting the lip, just go over the, over the back and then just drive back to the top. And, and after that, in they went, in every board. So I don't claim to have invented channels by any stretch of the imagination, but I certainly did chop them in. So the deep channels that you see now, I was a progenitor of them, progenitor being the optimum word that, that um, Al Byrne said. He, he said that I was the progenitor. I've never heard that word. But he was right because he came back from Hawaii one year and he was coming up from Sydney Airport, stopped in at Coles, had all these new templates and stuff, and he was busting to get home to the Goldie and hook into it. And um, he took Mice Raster out, and Cole had a single fin. This was right at that time, and just freaked out. He just wouldn't come in. He didn't come in until after dark that day. His missus was spewing on him. <laughs> He just surfed, surfed his brains out and just went, went, and he really went, he carried the flag for it, really. He just started chopping them in flat out. But for me, I always liked the aesthetic of channels. I think my first board is a Simon Anderson thruster, the old energy series. Dad found on the side of the Gibson Highway. Oh, There's two boards handed to the top shop. I ended up with them, found them in the roof, actually. I thought, oh, shit, I want to go with that. And it's this blue thing looks like the walls in here and had had four or six channels I can't quite remember and flyers and a really small um, that was a square tail round square and I just I think from that having that my first experience of surfing with this this channels were they just, belly channels or were they exhausting channels exhaust channels so yeah. they're just in fins and I had um you know I always sort of sort of won one but again the boards you know, you buy off the shelf they're not not a lot of them had channels it wasn't a really design feature through the 90s and about 2000s really when I was um oh. you know, buying boards but what's the advantage because I've, I've gone full circle I've just got a DHD the Mick Fanning J Bay and it's got four channels in it it's a swallowtail and I surfed it today up at theirs and I, there's something about it that just it just it feels so good like it's so attached rather than for me and you know I'm a mediocre surfer but it, it just that drive, like you're not nursing a board through a turn. You you, can you, you it. lay it out on the right place in the mm. face, and it rips, and, and it feels like you're accelerating, or when you're on a, a bike or in a car, and you put the throttle down through a turn, and you get that bit of slide out. That you can feel it squirting the speed out the through your turn, and rather than putting it out on a rail and sort of half nursing it, knowing that there's a fine line, and you're going to slide out or, yeah. or lose a fin. Is that I mean, how how does it sort of work? Well, they've just got more bite, so you can push harder, pretty much. You get more confident because if you just do a turn, you feel, you feel oh, that's 
got heaps of grip. I should have pushed that harder. So you just keep doing it until you find its limit. Yeah. If there is one. I mean, the limit is how the surface conditions, how choppy and bumpy it is. If it's smooth, you can just give it to it. Yeah. Hard as you like. Do you think those deep channels were almost like the the um, foresight of, you know, where a thruster is going to come in? You've got a single pin and you've got these deep channels that are adding grip and adding speed and adding that power where you can push back against a wave. And for me, I see that as, you know, you just extend those, those lips out you're going to have three fins, you're going to have that thruster. Is that, you know, sort of, I suppose, where it evolves? Because we had this uh, this uh, little side um, side story we went into twin fins, as Michael Peterson said, don't ever surf those, it'll ruin your back. <laughs> but we sort of dabbled with those and then the thruster really took over. Yeah. Not so many years later. Well, the thruster enables you to have more width in the tail and still keep grip. Plus they thrust. So the design went to use those two variables. Design went that way. Like single fins are now typically narrow in the tail. Very dependent on rocker that we never knew a whole lot about. So there were, <laughs> there were good boards and there were not so good boards from that era. It's like yeah, like you can. Most boards nowadays are pretty good. What are you riding these days? What are you shaping for yourself? Quads. Asymmetrical quads. Yeah. yeah. In, uh, and that's with channels? What tell, tell us, uh, you have to describe it. Well, I've got a little flutes in the tail, which just, they're not really channels, but they are a channel, but they're only eight inches long. They're just a little pressure release, really, to add add to the pressure release that's already happening with the asymmetrical cutaway. So it's just somewhere for the water, when you activate it with your back foot, it's just a easier, just the water can get away quick, so it tightens the turn, gives you more grip. And is that, what's the short size, under your heel or under your toe? For me, I like it under my toe. The, the long side, is my heel side, yep. so backside, because when you when I turn a backside turn, it's all back foot, mostly back foot. Anyway, eighty percent back foot pressure. Whereas forehand, um, about fifty fifty front and back foot pressure. So I can ride it shorter. But so it suits, and the pressure release is the thing. It's it's that's the whole thing. When you drive that long side in, you know, bottom turn, the pressure comes out of that, out of the short side, so the whole board sits tighter in the water. Then you can feel it, so you push harder. So everything tightens up. You, you just surf more vertical, and off the top you're on a shorter board with the fins closer to the tail, so they've got heaps of grip, so you just can smack it straight back down the face. Mm. It makes sense. Like what you already said makes sense, but how come we don't see that in you know, looking at the, the short stand short board behind you, it's perfectly symmetrical. Yeah. On either side. Is it from a It's tradition. It's tradition. And you get used to it. You get the boards the boards are symmetrical, but you don't surf symmetrically, but you get used to the way it goes that way and you get used to the way it goes that way. 
with an asymmetrical board, you can maximize the performance of both sides of the board. Yeah. That's my my summation. But I, I thought when I first did it, I, I wanted to max it for the backside because most of the time you surf mugs, most of the time I surf lefts and they're, they're backhand. And it was a pleasant surprise when I surfed the right how tight it gets. And then when I thought the failing, failing would be the cutback, the long side cutback, but it just opens up. The pressure just comes out and the thing just comes screaming around. Like roundhouse heaven. I'd, I'd have thought asymmetricals would have been, you know, made for a left. So if you're going to surf charco, you're never going right. Mm. You're going to go left. So let's make a board that complements the it direction could, that you're heading. Be the same that they it, actually... They do go good both ways. Sometimes you get a little bit of drift because it's so different on this an unusual feeling but you can push through that that's what i've found if you if, if you're tentative it'll want to flat flutter a bit but if you drive it it'll just grip, grip. is that so how come none of the pros are doing this is it is it because they they've tried and tested they know what a board feels like they get 20 boards that they don't have time to they don't have time for this sort of stuff no well us humans are pretty sheepish we like to, everyone likes to gather in a big mob and we'll all do this and anyone gets too far on the outside, chop them down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm, a, I'm at the age where I don't care. I don't care what happens. I'm just doing it for myself. And with the kite boards, everyone's getting one. And it's just because I've lent them my board, both forehand and backhand, guys. The board's built to go left because when you're kiting, the wind's blowing subtly. You're going, you're powering up, up, downwind. So you got speed. Yeah, it's the only way to go on this coast. Really, it just makes so much sense. Surfing is a novelty thing. It's, it'll never go mainstream, ever. Not in my opinion. There's a few guys doing asymmetrical, different things. Monty was following that. Ryan Birch, guy from USA who goes out Indo a lot. He's, he's, he does pintails with offset pintails and stuff, but he, he puts fins on all wrong from my, from my aspect, from my way of thinking. His fin setup is hopeless. And Monty, one of, one of my best riders, was, went down that track for two years, last two years. He'd been riding him and he could never get any drive. The fins were just too loose. He could never, he's a fantastic rider, but he had to nurse, nurse the board through turns and then just go, like he'd, he'd go to 11 o'clock off the bottom. He'd just yeah. go down out the front and he'd come around and he'd go to there. Past midnight. Yeah, and then he'd smack it back that way just as he did this. And he did it like clockwork. I don't. He had eyes in the back of his head because when I'm riding like that, I can't even see what's going on out there, let alone up there. He just smacks it like it's going out of style. And he was... He wanted a new board this year. I said, yeah, no worries. I think I'll get a flyer. A swallowtail flyer. And I went, yeah, that's yeah, that'll be different. We can do that. I said, but first of all, you need to ride this. And he just went out and started driving. like the, Because the asymmetrical, after he did his first turn, he felt how, all this drive that he'd been absent 
for yeah. two years of his surfing, he, he just lit up and he just started to go mental. Came in and said, that's the best kite bot I've ever ridden. And Drew Beavis, who is the standout down here, he's a goofy footer and he just does the same thing but forehand with a shitload more power. He's like Oki, yeah. Oki on, on the peak and, and it's eight foot, he still does it. Just bang through the roof because he's so juiced up. And he's always riding pintail thrusters. And he saw my improvement and he thought, I might try one of them. And I said, well, Drew, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do for you because he rides these pretty gunny boards. Like it took me ages to get him out to 18 and a half. Why? It was always seven, under under 18 just to, to keep him driving. And um, he had a ride on that board. I said, just take this one for so, so we can sort of work out where we're going to go between what you're on now and, and this. We, we want to plumb somewhere in the middle. He came in and said, that's what I want. <laughs> that's exactly what I want. So that board's converted the two best riders in the southwest. Good. Future, uh, I think that, that sort of, you know, like we're saying, sheepish mentality. Yeah, well, around here, I've got one for... Around here, people take notice of what Drew rides. If he's riding it, they know it's good. They know it's good. Mm. I want to take you back to something when uh, a few years ago you made me a board. I had had an idea. This is uh, the thumb. I had a few beers, <laughs> the thumb, and uh, I had an idea in my head, and it was you know cross between a Simmons and, and something, and we, we got on the shaping shaping um, tool and made that. But when you took me into the shed, you had. These what you were excited about at the time, the reverse thruster. Oh, I know. Which yeah. I've sent, since uh, told a few people about. Never ridden, but w what is it? What is the, the reverse thruster? This is a, an idea. I call it the driver. The driver, okay. Because it's like a single fin off the bottom and a twin fin off the top. Okay. Because you've got all that drive coming from the forward fin, and it's only, it's not a regular fin; it's a low swept back keel type fin, only probably th three inches deep at max, but long base. Yeah, and big so it's it just yeah. yeah, I've had swallowtails, mostly swallowtails. Yeah, I've done split tails, and uh, the more well, that's like the asymmetrical. You take take area out of the tail. And leave the rail line. You, you're making, you're releasing pressure, but you're keeping the rail line to drive on. But you're releasing pressure by the swallowtail does that to a small extent. That these cutaways, you can hay right into it. Yeah, I've, got, I've got a couple of really big split tails. So to describe the board. If you're looking, you flip the board upside down. You're standing at the base of it and looking, looking up towards the nose. You've got your outside fins in relatively the same place. And then this trailing fin, or the middle fin, which is normally at the back of the board, is forward of centre. So would that be forward of where your back foot's standing on the board? It's probably, you probably, first of all, the front fins of the thruster are back into twin fin position. Yep. And then the forward fin is pretty much like the other way, but it's there. So instead of them being there. So your, fin, your foot would be right between the cluster. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, 
Yeah, it's, I've had some some of the best feelings ever. And it's my dream to take one of those boards to J-Bay and just let it peel out. Yeah. Just, and I'll probably do that before I turn my toes up. Or some other long, long right-hander. They just can get wound up and... You have to come over to Victoria. Or, uh, yeah, I'd like to surf bells on a good day. Yeah, bells or winky, either one. Mm. On a good day, both completely different, but you can surf them both. Yeah, I'd like to, but I'd probably paddle out there and wouldn't get a wave. I don't know what localism's like. It's not too bad. You, you hear um, Maurice Cole talk about how he has his own little spot. He sits up at Rincon and, and takes off uh, deeper than everybody else and makes the sections. Just pretty much straight lines it for a hundred meters and then uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> surfs his wave. You might have to um, talk to him about, about getting it. Well, so. yeah, well, I'm, I know Morris, so I could, he might call me into a couple. Yeah. Yeah, it's Don't probably please. a bit cold though. I, I'm thinking warm, warmer. Hey, <laughs> babe, come on, Jamie, that's crazy. I know. That's yeah. Less sharks in Victoria. I suffer. Badly from the cold. As soon as I get cold, I just freeze up and can't do anything. Yeah, all my best action happens in the first hour. After then, if I sit around for too long, I lock up and get all one co. Become a danger to myself and everyone else. I got lip launched to beauty this morning. I had three really cracking waves and I'm looking for one in. And the last one was a really late takeoff and really late to get to my feet. And the, the one after that was even later. I just went pitched straight down so um, I mean apart from asymmetrics the, what would you call the reverse thruster I've been calling it, is it uh, a driver that's what's the name I gave it the driver well, the reverse thrust is probably more descriptive yep the, the driver there's um, you do a bit of shaping for the big wave riders as well big paddle boards you still doing that oh guns yeah some big guns mm, shit loads yeah, in the last two years, I've made 50 or 60 full-on guns everywhere from about 8.6 to 11.6. Yeah. Lots of... 10-foot is the old 9-foot. Right. A lot of people... It used to be everyone had an 8... All the serious wave riders, the guys who like it big, would have an 8-footer in their quiver. And then Courtney Gray, who's a good mate of mine, Goes to Hawaii, he's over there now. He goes to, he's a school teacher, he goes to Hawaii for the school holidays every Christmas. And he brings back his Bushmans and whatnot because they're so cheap. But I built him a board probably six years ago now, a nine footer. And he just slayed it on that. And gradually, people were just taking note of who was getting them all. and Nine footers became more and more popular, made a truckload of them. And then I made him a 10.6 for outside bomby and outside boat ramp and that, yeah. which he's, he's quite comfortable with, which I don't want to go anywhere near. But, um, yeah, so real, real boards for real waves, but instead of just paddling around out there and I mean, an eight-foot eight board's not going to catch a 20-foot wave unless it's got a pretty special person on it. Yeah, no, us. For the average guy who just wants to test himself out, he needs a bit of paddle power. 
that's just so you would have seen obviously since the seventies when we've been through single fins, twin fins, the thrusters, channels, asins. Where where's the surfboard industry going? Where do, what do you think's next? Any ideas of uh, what the next movement's going to be? None whatsoever. None whatsoever. No, it's it's in this disposable phase at the moment. Well, for me, for for the local shapers, we're we're one industry, and then there's the shops in town, of which there's probably four or five of them, and there's about five hundred boards in there, all of them disposable. They're not pop outs, but they might as well be. Merricks, Merricks, yeah, the one layer of four ounce glass. Yep. They're disposable fully. And the big big brands, the JS's and the Merricks and the Rusty's and who else who are there? Lost, Mayhem, all yep. the, all those brands. Banging them out and sticking them in shops. Is that their almost the business model to make that that They've obviously, you know, they put out riders, different riders boards and yeah. you know, it's, it's obviously why you sponsor Ship Money exists and to actually get these new shapes out there. But if their board's disposable, um, you know, if it's sting, it runs out of life, you break them, you're in the market for another one. I mean, mm. they could make them stronger. Of course they could. Is, is that their business model? Is that what uh, Well, there is the performance side of it and the pros can ride disposable boards and they like the, the spring that you get out of a board that's got no glass on it. Like, But that spring doesn't last for long. It dies in the ass real fast. Yeah, and they're not also... Not but they're not boards. riding that board anymore, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're on the next quiver. Every contest they take six new boards, basically. But the average guy who goes in and pays 950 bucks for a board with no fins in it is getting ripped. Yeah. Pretty much in terms of longevity they're getting performance but it doesn't last long if it, if it doesn't snap enough it's not that spring that magic spring is not going to last long yeah so is that that it you think there's a resurgence in the custom custom board market no it's going backwards if anything what about uh, making boards that are going to last longer down here you can down here my clientele don't want their board to snap. They're not after the ultimate spring and the lightest weight possible. They, they, they want it to last a couple of years. And not have to swim in for a main wrap. And not swim into two pieces every other week. Yeah. And they want the volume and, yeah, probably real boards for real waves. Real boards for real waves. I, I think um, I've got a bit of cycling and I look at the push bike market and you can buy a $500 push bike will get you from A to B. You can spend up to two grand, you're getting some really nice kit. And then from two grand up to 10 grand, you know, you're getting some high end parts and the improvements 10, 10% maybe. Mm. Push bikes go all up to 20 grand. There's, you know, come down Kay's Road, it's bloody Christmas holidays and then there's a few... Uh, on the roof, there's, there's 20 grand. The roof, right, people riding them down the road today. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, there's a lot of money that people spend in their passion in their cycling and they get a lot of use out of it. Mm. why don't we have that in surfing where there's a market for a board with, that's three grand but this is going to last me and we can have two boards I'll get one board for you know say under under head high something enjoyable something a real board for some real waves 
possibly a, a ninth of a step up, probably not with Mike Riddle, but for the everyday bloke, yeah, there's two, four, six grand maybe of surfing equipment that's going to last you forever or for foreseeable It's future. probably good that it's not too expensive because shapes do change. You know, we are learning. They just, every year, your boards are different and better. When you think you've got it wired, something else, some little tweak comes in that opens up another little avenue, and before you know it, your boards are all different. Guns, well, not so, not so much. Rockers, my rockers are set, but I, I just work with surface ability and their weight, yep. typically to get volume and stuff. Right, but um, the disposability thing. I mean, there's guys around here that surfing is their whole life. That's all they ever think about and do, and they've got boards that are 10 years old. That drives you nuts. <laughs> you think, oh, do yourself a favour, mate, and get a new board and think, how are you going to feel? And they sit around the car park grizzling about, it's too this, it's too that, it's too the other. Get a new board and get the fuck out there. Yeah, rain's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it does that whatever it takes to get you out there. Because yep. that's where it's happening, in the water. Definitely. I see, um, see the prop, you know, whether it's a new bike or a new bus, mm. even new runners, you know, it inspires you to go running. Yeah. Get you up and about. Too right. Whatever it takes to get you out there. What's, um, Andy had a question for you to pass on. He wants to know what, um, what are we all doing wrong? When you, when you say there's punters in the surf down here, what punters are they right? They might have gone and got a not a pop-out, but a disposable board from a um, you know, brand name. What are they typically writing that's wrong? What could they change? Uh, good question. Just go to the beaches. If you've got a beach break board, go to the beaches. That's probably the thing I'd say. Get a board that's made for the if you got Yeah. Short boards go good at the point if you're a good surfer, but you got to be good. And you're probably flat out getting one, getting a wave because there's already someone on a seven foot board who's already got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to sit to get them. The old crew out there hold the point down pretty well, don't they? Yeah, yeah. They don't call it Jurassic Point for nothing. You're in part of that crew, though, Marty. I know that as well. Well, I'm happy to be there. I mean, I couldn't stand it if all these young kids that climbing all over me let them. I'm stoked they're all down at gas and bunters and everywhere else because it'll be too hard there. You can't compete with years. Yeah, what about board design? Are we all riding things too small, too thin, not enough volume? Why uh, 6'1 because Mick rides one and he's about my height? That's a personal choice. I mean... I lend my boards a lot and they say, oh, the shape's good, but it's too corky for me. But I like the corkiness. I don't feel it. I don't feel that, that corky feeling because I'm not used to riding a thin board. That's, and I make the connection I feel is, is there for a V. So the board, it would be corky if it was a concave. It would be just up on top and just skittering. Yeah. But with the V that I put through the tail, it just keeps it down and connected. 
So I wouldn't say it. I mean, it's a personal thing. Fair enough. Volume you get used to. I'm going to talk in volume these days, but that's only because machines are spitting out the numbers. Before that, <laughs> no one had a clue what was in it. Yeah. You'd buy it, you'd order it on thickness. Yeah, you're not, no one's taking their board home and whacking it in a bath, are they? Calculating the displacement. No. It's a, no. Not a thing anymore, but it, it does make a good point, though. From Oh, it's really relevant. It's great to have that. Yeah. That's, that's the beautiful thing about the machine. If you find your magic volume, that works but it's a it's it's a it's a youth thing i would say i think it does a better job of describing the board as well i had a um crack on an ecs uh, with ff2s and it's six two 19 and a 19 and a quarter you know two and a half pretty standard bit of a pintail i thought this would be a good board you know when it gets a bit bigger be nice i don't know how many liters it was but huge he was just dead flat that it rode like a 6.6 or a 6.8. It was mm. stiff, straight, and so much volume in it. Like, it paddled like a champion. Yeah. But it just, it didn't describe the board. You know, 6.2, standard width and, and thickness, didn't describe the board at all from, you know, it's riding a DHD, 6.2, DX1, and that was 18 and a half, so obviously a little bit, um, they're a bit narrow, but completely different pieces of equipment. Oh, yeah. You know, I'd love to have a uh, wander through the shed and check out some of, some of what you got, Marty, because this is like a, a playground in here. We're sitting in your music studio, and uh, it's pretty exciting. But before we do that, we have one one running segment on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have two, actually. The, the first one, anyone that comes on the show, we like to um, get them to get their mobile out, and we check their Uber rating, and we judge what kind of person they are, judged on their Uber rating. Now, given you only just got a mobile this year, I'm going to um, assume you don't have Uber. On, on, on the app. So let's just write you down as a five. So we'll put you on top of the leaderboard as, uh, <laughs> as a good wholesome no, bloke. I don't, I don't, my mobile's my missus's old mobile and I just take it to Perth if I go so I can get around. I just buy 20 bucks worth of, but around here, it's not operational. Yeah, I'd expect nothing less. So we'll chalk you in as a five for that. Which, uh, which you pass. But um, we might have already covered it. The other segment is what's got you frothing this week? What's, uh, or today, what's really uh, got you buzzing? It can be anything random. It can be a, a song you heard, some churn, anything at all. Well, today, I'm, I'm frothing on surfing, frothing on kiting, and frothing on Ian Moss's album. Who's that? Ian Moss. Ian Moss. Mossy's guitarist in Cold Chisel. Okay. He's my favourite guitarist, living guitarist, well, Australian guitarist, I guess. There's a few others, Red Hotties out there, but he's the way he plays really hits me. Always, yeah. always did. It's good. I'll have to um, put him out on Spotify on my own. Mm, that's what I had on there. Ah, right. Fair enough. Well, good. Is there anything else um, you want to talk about? Obviously, we haven't, we haven't talked about um, Delta Designs or make sure we plug this on, on our Instagram and um, a few other things. So you're obviously down here in, in Margaret River. How do people get a hold of you if we want to um, want to shape, we want to check out an ASIM, a kite board? Come to 24 Trinder Drive 
or ring 97572682. You can make an appointment, come check out the shed. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, or we'll find you in between the wind change at the top of the point or uh, yeah. the Jurassic crew. Yep. Back there. Yep. Loitering with intent down there. <laughs> All right, that was Marty Littlewood from Delta Designs in Margaret River. And you're saying uh, he showed you around his factory after you had your little chat. Anything cool? Well, riding yeah, around? Shaping, shaping shed and such factory. No, it was sick. He um, had a bunch of cool designs. Like, man, I just love the smell of resin and foam. So it's cool as. But um, no, he had all those ASIM boards that he's making make a lot of sense. And the way he explained it to me, made a whole lot more sense because I, I thought you'd shape an asymmetric board just to go left yeah. or one just to go right but you reckons that it works both ways just with the lengthening the rail on one side yeah it was cool it was a good bloke we had a bit of chin wag with his missile afterwards as well love the die she's um, good value and uh, what does she do? Dai, Dai's a school teacher down there she also she's a bit of a um, a clairvoyant she, uh, she likes to <laughs> She has uh, has this thing. Talks to I don't know. She said spirits or mediums or something, and she um she gets gets told messages and she just dishes them out as she uh, sees fit. It's good. Got did insight. She, did she dish out a few? Yeah, I, got, I know where the missus is coming. I've got to meet my meet my wife. Oh, yeah. gonna change for me. Yeah, well, that's handy. She gave me know. a date too, which is sick as well. So, what do you remember the date? Yes, yeah, September fifth next year. Well, this year, 2019. September 5th, 2019. Yeah, so... Oh, keep, yeah. Do you reckon <laughs> be some confirmation bias there if you go out on that day? You well, just, I was thinking about I could go somewhere. I could plan a trip now. To Brazil or something? Yeah, yeah. Definitely not New Zealand. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> um, but no, that's good, really cool value. I've wanted to sit down and talk to Marty for ages about that stuff, so... Um, yeah, probably a bit mellower than ours. No booze, sober podcasting. I was like, no booze, keto, surfing. It's kind of where you want to be, but the the alcohol thing is um is a tough one to to say no to. But maybe when you're 68, it's easier. Yeah, I reckon it is. But that was really cool, actually. Yeah, he talked, obviously found keto, and I'm like the fact that you and I have both in individually found keto diets and benefited from it. Like, that was really cool to hear him. Like, you could hear in his voice he was frothing on it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sweet. So. Yeah, we should uh, dive deeper into the keto thing. Okay. Maybe talk about your doco. I did another episode. Definitely. We'll get some keto. Good to get Dr. Joe on, maybe. He's a good ranter. Loves a rant. Do you think... Would you, like, order an ASIM board from, from Delta? Like, because it's a lot of money to fork out. You know, 800 bucks or whatever for a new board. And you did it to test out the thumb board that he shaped for you. But would you would you give it a crack? Do you think? I reckon I'd want to go and surf a few just to understand them, like what the yeah. like you know you don't. I don't think you're gonna go and fork out a coin like that for something that you don't know what it is, <laughs> especially when you you know you've surfed swallow tails or round tails or pin. You know what suits your surfing, what you like for a certain waves. So be good to go and demo some yeah definitely has he got some lying around yeah. that we could Saves jump on there. definitely next time when we go so down we're back down we're back oh I'm back down in a month we're going to go down there so yeah. maybe we should try and get an ASIM board to test drive for sure you should have seen so he he's got a Chevy van and it's massive like he looks like a hearse 
because he's got uh, he got it because he surfs huge boards like the Jurassic crew that sit out the top of the point and he's got like an eight footer a nine footer in, in the back of his car seven footer as well they're huge but they just sit in the length of his car in the boot Perfect. and um, yeah there's big boards there we'll, we'll be paddling like heroes I think I'm ready I've, I'm 36 now it's time to get the eight footer actually I just scaled down I just got a new board a 6.0 I should be going the other way. You got, was it 6.0? Mm. Yeah. Yep. Well, nice bit of width though, isn't it? Yeah. Nice. Need some length to surf down in Margs though. Yeah. You see there's some serious length in the car parks. Yeah. I'll, borrow, I'll borrow something. It'll be fine. Um, oh, quick question was, okay. what's got you frothing this week? <laughs> <laughs> what's got me frothing this week? Well, when I was down interviewing Marty, I heard... Um, down kicking around marks and I pulled over for some reason to drive back back roads and this is like the weirdest thing to froth on but I uh, just pulled over for a piss or something and it was like dead quiet no cars around it was quite windy this day but then I was in the, all these tall trees and I kind of looked up and there's just like gum leaves just like raining gum leaves out of the top of the trees because the top of the canopy was getting blown to the shit but where I was was dead quiet and silent just like snowing gum leaves and I like Full had a froth out. I was like, really appreciated. <laughs> Sounds beautiful. <laughs> it was like it was weird, but uh, yeah, it got me. I loved it. Had a little froth on that. So that's what got me frothing. Just raining gum leaves. Yeah, yeah raining gum leaves. The, the simple things, you know. Yeah, it's things like that. You you kind of want to capture that as a photo or something, but you just never would be able to. No. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I believe you. I'm sure it was beautiful. Captures it in a podcast. <laughs> See, what's got yeah. you frothing, Andy? Ah. Uh, you know, it, it was a few weeks ago now, I went to Bright and I went mountain biking on an e-bike. And I don't know if you know e-bikes, but they've got uh, a battery-powered motor in them. So when yeah. you pedal, the motor kicks in. So you, when you go uphill, you can just sort of cruise pedal and it just flies uphill. And then you um, click it off and then you go the downhill mountain biking. And it can See? be... So we none of us are big mountain bikers and we just turned up hired these ridiculous e-bikes all the all the crew that are there riding and are good are just like they were really hating on us it was amazing (laughs) they were saying the purest yeah the purest we would ride past them at top speed and you'd hear like audible comments about (laughs) oh you cheating bastards (laughs) just like you're the stand-up paddleboarders yeah because we don't do it and we don't care it was amazing (laughs) i I wouldn't buy one but uh it was a fun day so yes if you're gonna go do one day of mountain biking get yourself one of those does the battery last on how many hours you do i think we did three hours yeah right yeah four four times up and you can you can adjust the the level yeah so that you can make it last a long time but we had ours on full full blown so you basically like in the light gear it just or in a, like a top gear and yeah. flying up a hill it Sick. feels really weird but oh, so you hired them yeah we hired them nice we're up there playing tunes and um, thought rather than just drink beers for three days straight we'll try and do activities in between which is always good, good. this is um, it's been a mellow podcast no no beers and uh, trying to be professional yeah well Marty he was a mellow guy so we'll keep this all spoke mellow. real slow had to wind no, things down. When you live like the audience down that way. It's got to be good for you. I think speaking slowly must be like quite good for you. In the I feel better already. <laughs> <laughs> On podcasts, I think you want to speak a little faster. Oh, 
<laughs> Sometimes I would like to listen to that potty in, in high speed. Yeah, it's too late now to warn people, but maybe turn it up to 1.5 or 2 times. If you've made it to the end to see yeah. if it gets better, go back. Yes. Speed the thing up. Yeah. Well, should we call it then? Yeah, let's, uh, let's do this and we'll come back another time. Hooroo. Hooroo.